I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, July 26th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Talk about sticking it to the boss, Peak Pals. A recent Gallup survey found that one in five employees engage in loud quitting, with some going so far as sharing their resignations online. That's right, quiet quitting is a thing of the past. We're ready to flip some desks now, Jay. This is really something that I can't relate to. If I was to quit, I would do it very quietly. What about you, Jay? Uh, I signed an NDA that I can't actually talk about it. So yeah. no, I, I would <laughs> the never. The ultimate I'm, silence, legal silence. <laughs> I'm much more respectful than that. I do like sticking it to the man, but have not done so on a job, so I can't relate. But I do like that quiet quitting is out and loud quitting is in. It concerns me. It concerns me. But I think, you know, hopefully we have a good enough environment and relationship with our employees at the peak that they would come to us and talk to us directly before doing anything out of the ordinary. I hope so. Brett, aside from hopefully nobody loud quitting, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, the race to build a super app is on. For our second story, why Vancouver's proposed zoning law matters. And for our last story, what in the world coin? For our first story, and one of the most significant rebrands in the history of rebrands, Twitter is now X. Brett, explain to us what's up with X. So if you ever thought of changing your name and leaving it all behind, Elon Musk is right there with you. This week, the X, previously known as Twitter, owner began rolling out the platform's teased rebrand, bringing his vision of an everything app closer to life. If you're wondering what's behind the name, Musk has long been into the idea of an X brand. It was the name of the company he co-founded before it became PayPal. And it's all part of the plan. Since scooping up Twitter for $44 billion last year, Musk has reportedly talked about turning the product into a super app, a hugely successful concept in Asia, yet to find much success in the West. And this bundles a mix of services into one platform. For instance, China's WeChat has been described as an app for everything since it offers features across messaging, games, payments, photo sharing, and much more. And this all matters because besides offering creative agencies a case study on how not to execute a rebrand, Musk is making a serious foray into super app territory. Mark Zuckerberg, Meta's CEO, is trailing closely behind overseeing Instagram, WhatsApp, and new ex-rival, I mean X as in formerly Twitter, rival app threads. It's very confusing, but Musk faces new challenges. For one, Twitter is one of the most recognizable brands on the planet, or at least it was, and tweeting has even earned the coveted status as a verb, and it's worth between 4 billion and 20 billion US. The move could be downright illegal. Several companies, including Microsoft and social media rival Meta, already have intellectual property rights to use the same letter for <laughs> social media applications. Should have just chosen a different letter, but signs of a choppy rollout are all over the internet. It's almost impossible to miss. Between pieces of the old brand still in place, including the domain name, to police blocking the takedown of a Twitter sign in San Francisco, it's been uh, fun to follow, actually. Yeah, and here's the bottom line. Musk took on billions in loans to buy Twitter, so he needs to find a way to make the company profitable and stat. With a disdain for advertising revenue and advertisers fleeing the platform anyway, he'll have to think big, maybe even super app big. Well, maybe, Brett, it's actually, well, Twitter owes them the money back. It's not X. It's a whole different company. Yeah, exactly. That's a good trick. For a second story, like baggy clothes and country music, zoning laws are having a moment this year. What's the latest in our country's rush for housing supply chain? Well, the Vancouver City Council voted to move forward with a proposed policy allowing for more high-density housing to a public hearing. It would let developers build up to six units on land currently reserved for single-family detached housing, which make up about 50% of the entire city. And this matters because changing restrictive zoning is one part of solving the housing affordability puzzle, alongside interest rates, material costs, and labor shortages. By lowering barriers for more multi-unit housing, big cities hope to stimulate development and increase supply. 
Vancouver projects that with these new zoning rules, a single home that sells for $2.8 million could be turned into four smaller homes that could sell for $1.1 million each. And to zoom out, Toronto led the charge earlier this year passing a law allowing multiplexes up to four units in a single building to be built anywhere in the city. Victoria passed a similar law allowing for six-unit dwellings, and Edmonton is weighing various changes to its zoning laws. Yes, but critics fear it's too little too late for zoning laws to rescue affordability. Developer Chris Spoke told The Peak the following, The changes are far more modest than they appear and certainly fall short of what is needed to put a dent in Vancouver's housing crisis. Toronto's new multiplex permissions don't go nearly far enough, Spoke added, and said, I'd be pleasantly surprised to see more than 200 multiplex projects launched in Toronto over the next 12 months and half that number in Vancouver. Plus, a CMHC study found that tighter land use regulation is likely linked to lower housing affordability, but density restrictions had the weakest association to other factors like approval timelines. For our third story, since time immemorial, our eyes have had one use, to see things. Now they finally have a higher purpose, Brett, generating crypto tokens. Yeah, it's about time. I've been waiting for this moment, Jay. Here's what we're talking about. WorldCoin, the cryptocurrency project co-founded by OpenAI CEO and noted doomsday prepper Sam Altman, officially launched. And here's how it works. I'm going to try to read these words as if I know them. WorldCoin tokens are assessed and traded by people with a world ID which is obtained when a device called an orb scans your eyeballs to prove you're a human. It's called orbing. That's not creepily dystopian at all, Brett. Yeah, I might do some orbing myself, Jim. WorldCoin has around 200 orbs stationed across 35 cities in 20 countries with plans to expand to 1,500 orbs around the world by the end of year. This is a pretty fun conversation. It matters because if Altman is to be believed, maybe he should be given his predator. He's got a pretty good one, including Y Combinator. The advancement of AI could make it difficult to differentiate between humans and bots. WorldCoin can function as allegedly a safe way to prove you are indeed you. But all that biometric data will draw hackers like moths to a flame. In fact, WorldCoin already faced a successful hacking incident, though no sensitive user data was accessed except, I guess, what your retina looks like. And here's the bottom line. As wacky as it all sounds, WorldCoin isn't just a run-of-the-mill crypto pipe dream. It's fueled by $250 million from big investors like Andreessen Horowitz and rallied on its first day of trading, surging 30% as of writing. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, want to follow this podcast on your app, not Orb, but your app of choice, and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a great Wednesday, Peak Pals. Wait.